Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Tom Wilson, more hockey. like Tom kills somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You let him on the ice more. That's what yeah, happens. it's gonna. Happen. It's a matter of time. At this that's point. the title of the episode. It is, it is <laughs> Tom kill somebody. I mean Wilson. <laughs> everybody welcome back to another episode of the Bruins and Bruins podcast this is episode 43 my name is Cam Hasbrick joined as per usual by Chris Gear and Drew Johnson we are also joined by Ian McLaren of Locked On Bruins and the Locked On Bruins podcast it is May 3rd on the day we are recording this the night we are recording this rather and the Boston Bruins have officially clinched a playoff spot not something you're going to hear most seasons clinching a playoff spot in May, but that's how we're doing it in COVID hockey. Cheers uh, we to got the haters. a lot to talk about here because uh, we are finally kicking into gear, but a little bit of housekeeping first, Ian. Sorry, we're going to make you sit through our ad reads. No uh, Drew, you want to start us off with a little DraftKings action? Sure. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code <laughs> THPN during sign up. I just read it as it's given. For shots now. at millions of dollars in free prizes. <laughs> shots on shots on shots. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel. The sweat <laughs> like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup on the line. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app and use code THPN. During sign-up this week, DraftKings is putting you in on all the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN to get a free shot at millions uh, of dollars in total prizes. Five minimum, uh, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. And for all you hurling fans, time to get in on the action. Uh, hurling season rope around forever. <laughs> I feel like we should just swap out all of the basketball for like hockey and like every turnover and every dunk, steal, and assist. <laughs> every Taylor Hall dunk you get the rest of the season a, a five dollar deposit of the DraftKings. There you go. Um, Chris, I believe you have something to tell us about diehard Boston. Are you a sports. diehard sports Boston sports fan? <laughs> well, let me I tell am. you something then. <laughs> Bruins and Bruins, sponsored by diehard Boston sports fans. They have merchandise up for grabs. 
Like literally, you can just grab it. I mean, uh, maybe not literally. Like on the internet, you can you can go to diehardbostonsportsfans.com and grab this shirt that I'm wearing. If you're watching, if Drew ever figures out how to uh, post videos again, uh, yeah, go and use the promo code Bruce. Uh, it's not as complicated as our old uh, promo codes, so just use that. DiehardBostonSportsFans.com. Check it out. Got some cool stuff. Very cool stuff. All right. Uh, let's get right to it here. Brews and Bruins, we got some celebratory brews today. As we mentioned, we are playoff browned for the fifth consecutive season. Is that correct? I think under, it's five. That's right. Under Sorry. Cassidy, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so. I'm guessing – 20 yeah 2016 was the last time they missed that was the last the last uh dark age so um <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's been a an interesting couple of years i guess at this point year and a half of hockey uh especially under the circumstances that we are in and, and definitely a strange season that i don't think any of us are going to forget about anytime soon but uh at Good the end of the day for for all of the things <laughs> that have yeah as much as we'd like to uh for all the ups and downs, this is when things start to really get real. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm very excited for what is to come. Uh, first quick, I guess we'll intro some beers here. Chris, you want to start us off? What you got? Ooh, really excited about this one. Um, <laughs> so I think I – so I went to a store for the first time in uh, like a year. Um, I am now fully vaccinated. Congrats to me. Jerk. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's especially cruel right now, Chris. Yeah. Come on. Um, so I I found I think I found my new liquor store. Uh they have basically every beer that I've featured on this podcast so far that I uh, have been ordering for exorbitant am- amounts of money to be shipped <laughs> to my place. Um I mean still pretty expensive over there, but uh this one I was not expecting to find. I first had this beer when I was in Texas, but it hails from Montana. Montana. It's called Montucky Montana. Cold Snack. Montana. Montana. Uh, Montucky <laughs> Cold Snack. It is a. It's just a really refreshing lager. Um, pretty standard stuff, but man, it's it's. I would slot it above any of the macro brews. Taste. Uh, has has a little more flavor than than most of those beers, so I'd give it like a like a fifteen, and then drinkability yeah, perfect thirty seven. Thirty seven out of thirty seven. Excellent. Uh, Drew, you got something for us? I do. I featured this <laughs> Corona. <I> think, <laughs> no, twice, no, it's for the first time in six episodes. I'm not drinking a Corona though. That's what's on deck. Um, <laughs> I have a. Uh, I've featured this before. Ninja versus Unicorn Double IPA um, from Pipeworks Brewing Company. Um, yeah. Drinkability, yeah. I remember this one being pretty damn low. Uh, I mean, a double IPA <laughs> says it for itself. It. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and it, it for taste, it tastes a little light. It definitely tastes like dark. That's all I can say. For an IPA, it tastes pretty dark. Um, so, uh, drinkability going with, uh, 12 and then tasteability. You can taste it. So I will give it a 21 out of 37. 
Nice. <laughs> Excellent. Ian, you got a, uh, a beverage? Oh, no beverage. I do, yeah. Actually, um, I have a gluten allergy, so I can't drink beer. I don't know if hey. that disqualifies me from, from no, beer. No, Drew is right with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm just killing my stomach right now. But so I, um, I'm big in the cider game, and uh, oh, yes. my wife for Christmas got me a, like a cider subscription. So like once a month, I'm getting ciders from all over Ontario, and this one is uh, just a regular apple cider from Niagara somewhere. I uh, don't know – the uh, the scales we're working with here, but drinkability, I give it a, a good fifty taste. Oh, wow! Maybe uh, it's a it's it's a bit dry. I like dry, so yeah, uh, maybe a 30, 34. Again, I don't really know the spectrum we're working with. Actually, uh, we, yeah. we 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 go zero to thirty seven here. Oh shoot! Well, there you go. For, for spectrum, maybe a bit generous uh, with the drinkability, yeah, but. It's very drinkable, then. That's great. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Off, off yeah. the charts drinkability. Awesome. <laughs> I uh, am a big cider fan as well, but um, I only recently have really been trying to get into like craft ciders and stuff. I, you know what I mean? Like growing, not growing up, but like when you first start drinking, it's like the generic <laughs> growing, growing up. Growing up, back, back when I was a child. child. <laughs> uh, but I've been, I've been wanting to do more ciders. I've been like talking yeah. about that to myself because I like tough it out with an IPA and feel like crap in the next morning. So and today, right now. I, yeah. I thought about it so many times. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get some cider. And I just never left the house. Just didn't have some the good ones out there. So. I think uh, especially with like summer rolling around, gets a little warmer out. Cider mm-hmm. is a nice refreshing beverage to go with. Throw it uh, on especially ice. For, yep. Oh, yeah. That's that's the move right there. So yep. playoffs going to go deep in the summer this year. So Definitely uh, excited for that. That was kind of one of the cooler parts of bubble hockey last season was like being able to set up outside. I know Chris had a ridiculous setup last year. I was very jealous of the San Diego weather. Didn't quite have that uh, in, in Maryland where I was at the time, but um, we'll take it. So, uh, oh, I got to do my beer. I kind of forgot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. That's what we did. Uh, I am drinking a back in the day. Uh, it's an IPA by Sebago Brewing Company here in Maine. Uh, I drank this first the other day. Usually I will try them for the first time on the podcast, but I was really excited to try one of these. And I immediately kind of regretted it because I I've had very many thoughts popping into my head about the beer. And I was like, wow, I wish I had the microphone in front of me right now. Um, first impression, just a very aggressive beer. It is. I love aggressive beers. It's, it's strange. It's one of the weirder flavors that I've tasted. And the biggest reason for that is that it's, it's like, it's almost like there's two different, very strong flavors that are like fist fighting for control of your mouth. There is a, a very strong, like classic IPA bitterness to it, but there's also a very uh, separate and strong citrus flavor. And a lot of the times I think those blend together and it doesn't blend as much. I kind of go back and forth a little bit. Um, which sounds like it would be kind of off-putting, but it's actually really nice. It, it makes it kind of refreshing every time you taste it. Um, but both of them are like overwhelmingly, like I feel like I like my brain is like trying to decide which one is tasting it the whole time. Like I think <laughs> if, if that Godzilla versus King Kong movie were a beer, it would be this beer. It's pretty much <laughs> what I'm going for. So um, Kong bows to no one. <laughs> yeah, drinkability, despite how powerful it is, is pretty good because it's not overly hoppy. Um, give it like a 23 on drinkability taste. You can certainly taste it. So a, a 30, a 50, I'm going with the end. It's a 50 yeah. out of 37 right there. Shit. As far as taste goes. 
feel like I undervalued this Montucky cold snack on the drinkability scale. Yeah. Fun fact, yeah. I uh, spent four summers working on uh, Sebago Lake. Oh, no way. Oh, yep. yeah. It's a beautiful area, let me tell you. It's very I nice. Have, I, so I'm originally from uh, upstate New York, um, and I went to school in Maryland, and I just moved up to Maine last summer. Oh, and nice. I mean, I'm from like the almost mountains of upstate New York, so it's kind of a similar area, but um, there's – oh, it's so beautiful up here. Yeah, it's nice. I like it's Sebago Lake especially is a great area. There's yeah, a lot to do. Yeah, so nice. There. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're an outdoorsy person, but – um so yeah we are recording uh right on the back end of a three nothing shutout win against the new jersey devils in I hope what was certainly one of the <laughs> oh, uh, shit no. <laughs> one of the stronger <laughs> one of the stronger team performances i think we've seen uh over the course of the season especially uh lately really i mean they've, they've turned on the jets really since the trade deadline but that was a very solid game i was actually listening to the devil's broadcast just to switch things up a little bit and they were absolutely gushing about boston's defensive game pretty much up and down the lineup um just limiting shots and limiting high danger scoring chances and then uh, i always we talk about this a lot but more so with other people who come on this podcast who cover other teams but they were obviously gushing about to Rask. Uh, which was refreshing to hear, certainly uh, in, wow. in today's world. So, um, <laughs> I don't even yeah, think we have uh, mentioned him once. Yeah, yeah. I felt like they didn't even talk about him. Yeah, they probably. I don't know. Tim Thomas is still playing or something, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we bunker league somewhere. We are. <laughs> we are finally rounding the corner here into uh, into the the home stretch. Uh, I wanted to kind of start off. We've had. What, how many games are we out from seven or eight from the trade deadline at this point? We've got a fair like 12, sample size. I think, actually. Is it more? Yeah, okay. So we've got a, yeah. a reasonable sample size, I'll say, um, to start judging not only the new additions but the team as a whole. I kind of want to just gauge confidence now based on where this team was a few weeks ago. Going into these final couple games of the season, how are you feeling in general about where the team is at you know, any weaknesses that you think need to be addressed and uh, just kind of what you're looking forward to, I guess, going toward the playoffs. Ian, you want to start us off? How you feeling? Sure. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I was pretty high on them getting Taylor Hall after the trade deadline. The forward, the way the forward lines are right now, I, I think they're uh, pretty optimal. I, I like having DeBrusque back in the lineup, even though he's been pretty, uh, pretty down this season. If there's one question it's like the defense i guess they haven't really um had a look at this team with their top six after having gone through the trade lane line so it'd be nice to see i think brandon carlos supposed to play on tuesday uh, so it'd be nice to see him back in the lineup uh, mike riley didn't play here against the devils tonight so i feel pretty good about the way the team has played, they've—I think they've won like ten of twelve since the deadline. And uh, you know, once once they get that optimal top six going as well, I don't know. I, I don't feel too too worried about other teams in the East at the very least. I think Boston stacks up well with with all three of them. And you know, once you get to the final four, it might be a bit different. But I mean, compared to a couple of weeks ago, I feel pretty much you know night and day kind of six to midnight about this team at the moment. Yeah, I think, I think Ken Taylor Hall certainly, I mean, uh, we've been talking about for, it feels like 
Well, it has been almost half my life that the Bruins need a winger for David Krejci. <laughs> um, literally, at least a third of my life, that's been a thing. Uh, I guess that uh, dates myself, or I guess not, dates yourself as older. So, But anyway, yeah, no, so that's that's been very good and very much needed, and it's, it's paid off. I mean, Krejci has held down that line forever, and they finally got a guy like Hall. Um, and I've seen – it's not like Krejci's playing any differently – but I'm like noticing more his ability to create because he has a winger like Hall. Um, and I'm not sure. Are they still playing Smith with him? I didn't watch tonight's game. Yeah. So I don't. They're um, not going to break that lineup. I, I caught the third period anyway. But yeah, and you got Smith there who's clicks with them well. I mean, I know when they got him, they were kind of hoping he's this like middle six guy. Um, and I, I'm glad it's working out with him being on the second line because he he adds some speed to that line. And as we know, he's willing to shoot the puck from literally any part of the offensive zone, um, from below the goal line today. to the point. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> he literally is just like, all right, I'm just going to shoot this. I mean, they say a shot's never a bad decision, you know. So, you know, you got to get uh, that. Yeah. That is objectively that. false. That's just but, wrong. Okay. But, <laughs> but it's – Okay, maybe if you're the last line of defense and someone is uh moving toward you and blocking your way, I think don't shoot it directly into them. Okay, okay, but if you have an option like, okay, I have a pretty good shot and I have like a pass attempt, shot's not the worst. All right, so Cam, to answer your question, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, I I feel pretty confident in this team. I, I think when we were talking to Pete the other day, um, his big thing was. Charlie Coyle like that's that's your big mm-hmm. question mark and I think um while it hasn't been answered uh I do think that third line with Corrali looks weirdly good mm-hmm. um it's while they haven't done a ton of scoring they've they've scored a couple of times and I mean Corrali has definitely looked a lot better since going up there and I mean he's been even when he was centering the fourth line he was a kind of a weak point of the team and and that's why the Lazar acquisition has been so good because it kind of revitalized that fourth line and i mean if you have two basically 1a 1b lines and all you need is for those bottom two lines to be some level of effective and pick up some slack when those top two lines aren't necessarily you know maybe getting the puck luck that they need and i know just put it on the other team make sure you're possessing the puck in the offensive zone and those two lines have absolutely done that yeah, R- Richie scored against the Devils tonight too. So that yeah, that third line has looked pretty good. I think mm-hmm. worth keeping yeah. together for the time being. Yeah, good to get a couple of guys going. Like uh, between Richie and Corrali, really, just a couple of guys who uh, you know they're capable of a little bit more. I think uh, especially Richie, what we saw earlier in the in the first half of the season, really slowed down a little bit. So to get him going again uh, could be especially powerful in the playoffs when you are playing the same team four, five, six, seven times in a row. Uh, I know we're all I'm, I'm speaking a little bit for Ian here. What I've gathered from him on Twitter is, is uh, leans more toward the, the newer age of hockey versus the old style of uh, just slamming bodies around. But there is of course some, uh, some measure to that, especially in the postseason when you're, when you're playing a team back to back to back and having a guy like Richie, uh, especially on that third line where you're not necessarily relying on him to score quite as much, um, but to go and throw his weight around there can be mm-hmm. effective at this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. I think uh, 
Like we saw that tonight, even Kevin Miller's throwing the body around, Nick Ritchie's throwing the body around a bit. Like a lot of people, their first impressions of Nick Ritchie last year were like taking that five minute or the, was it a major against the lightning? And he was kind of brought in like expected. I don't know if he was expected to just throw down all the time and just kind of run wild, but this season, you know, he's been on the power play more. His game is more, he's thrown the fists a couple times, but his game is a bit more, I don't know, maybe refined is a bit too generous, but um, <laughs> it's definitely more like under control. He's fitting in well, uh, playing with some of those offensive guys, just knows the team better, kind of knows more of what it means to be, you know, a quote unquote Bruins type player. And yeah, he's really, I mean, there's a lot of debates on Twitter about like the seventh man and all that for, for me, Richie, Richie's that guy this year. He's, he's far exceeded my expectations coming into this season. Yeah. I think he set a career high or he tied a career high in goals already. With We we mentioned on the, on the last podcast that, uh, I mean, I think two of the three of us had Nick Ritchie out of the lineup in our lineup project projections at the beginning of the <laughs> season. So any amount of points was exceeding yeah, expectations. So totally being I will off say the like, fourth line. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I have come to admire a little bit about his game, um, and it's kind of something that Ian alluded to there is that I feel like he uses his body in like smart hockey ways a lot of the time. It's not like he's just throwing his weight around for the sake of hitting people or like gooning it up. Like I feel like he doesn't take many stupid like Tom Wilson type penalties just for the sake of showing oh, he force. Used to. That <laughs> yeah. Um I feel like he at least especially recently the last couple of weeks and in really even months has used his body in a way that's gonna punish players and stuff, but not necessarily cost the team um and and he's i mean using it in front of the net and stuff in the corners to create turnovers and uh just create traffic jams and stuff that's that's where he's been really mm-hmm. effective so i've come to admire that a little bit about him that certainly was not something that i was expecting to see early this season yeah he's been as good he's been as good as anybody could have hoped for i think when when they pulled off that trade last season but i'm yeah. was a bit of a fan favorite he was just kind of a kind of a guy in my mind um but Nick Ritchie has really, yeah, he's made more of a presence than than Heinen ever did, I think, and just seems to fit kind of the mold of what what uh, Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy are looking for in, in yeah, kind of as, a Bruins type player. As much as I loved Heinen, I think there are only so many roster spots you can make available to solid defensive hockey players. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's another reason why why Anders Bjork ended up out of town. Just exactly. I mean, the Bruins have those types of guys in spades and guys who can create offensively. And I think Anders Bjork is somebody who could potentially do that if given a a larger role. He just never really fit in with any of those top lines. And I mean, now that those lines are filled out, kind of feels like you don't need those types of players at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I I think you do need some size and you can't just roll like you're I feel like you don't necessarily need to have a checking line. You don't necessarily have to have like a quote unquote, like enforcer fighter, but you, I think you do need some size on that third or fourth line, even if it's just one guy, Um, someone who can go and take the body, someone who can play that physical aspect of the game, because at the end of the day, that's what your fourth and third lines are still supposed to do in a way. Like if you're obviously you want them to produce a bit, as we've said, like, 
uh, pick up the slack in a way, but bringing that physical element is still an important part of hockey. And it's not, it's not going to be like, you're never going to see another Sean Thornton or anything on a Bruins team. You're not going to see a guy whose role is to hit and fight. But um, if you can get a guy who can hit and fight and put goal, uh, fucking goals put up some goals like put, if you can put goals do the goal. put some goals <laughs> in the net guy, man get, that's what i was gonna say put goals. Gonna hit the puck in the net that would be good yeah. put some pucks in the net or put some goals on the board uh <laughs> yeah i i think that is still a important role and i can see why there are some fans who are like you need to get a physical guy but you know, a lot of times they turn to here's a guy who punches a lot of people it's like no you don't need that you need a guy who can hit and take up space out there so your fucking teammates can score. Or if you're Dick Ritchie, also score 14 the, goals. The thing the, the thing you need is is someone who is large, but also not so slow that they're right. constantly taking penalties because they're getting blown by by faster, yeah. smaller guys. And large and in charge. You can't hit smaller guys <laughs> if you can't catch them. And that's that's the thing. Nick Ritchie isn't a fast player, but he can keep up. Yeah. And I think especially this year, he's taking fewer stick penalties, which is the one of the things that drove me absolutely nuts last year. Yeah, I was thinking about that during the game tonight, actually. On Monday, I think Cam mentioned, like, Bruins have kind of a 1A, 1B situation with the scoring lines. In the bottom lines, it's almost like a 3A and 3B. Like, you look at the fourth line of DeBrusque, Lazar, and Kuhlman, like, that would – that could be like a second line on the Sabres or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, they have, or, and the checking line, Corrali, Richie, uh, Coyle, that could easily be a line that they put out to like hold a lead or, or, you know, create some energy. So the way the four lines are constructed right now, like I don't think it's like anything we've seen before with the Bruins or recently anyways, with kind of skill just up and down the lineup. There's no like, yeah, banger like true bangers or enforcers or whatever, like or even a dedicated checking line. Um, and you know, no disrespect to Chris Wagner or Trent Frederick, but I don't think those guys are really it right now for for how this team should be in the playoffs. I don't know if Cassidy will kind of defer to to Wagner. He seems to really love him a lot. Um, but I really like the way these lines are right now, and it's Definitely, they're more definitely more fun to watch than they were like even two weeks ago. I will say um, about Wagner, he uh, definitely looked better with Lazar than earlier yeah. in the season. Um, True, I, I, yeah, yeah. Lazar's been so good. I'm I'm a Coolman fan. I think, yeah, it, it kind of depends on on what team you're playing in the playoffs, what who you want to yeah. jump against, and, and how you want to play it. But I think it's good to have have depth and options in the playoffs too. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's it's it's very hard to overstate how important it is that they have those options and can kind of adjust based on that matchup. Um that gives you a lot of flexibility and again, it's not necessarily those guys that are gonna carry you through those rounds of the playoffs, but at the end of the day, if your first line goes out there and, and does well and your second line does and then the bottom six shits the bed, it doesn't matter what your first two lines are doing. So yeah. You have to have uh, someone you can rely on, and then you know having someone you can turn to if, if if shit does hit the fan is is really important. So I think that's especially valuable this time of year. And it's a good point that Ian mentioned. I, I feel like this is really a, a very different feel to really the entire Bruins team, more different than I think I can remember in in probably quite a few years. Honestly, I feel like it's been a relatively 
um, consistent system of here's how we're going to create this mold for especially that bottom six. And we're going to find guys who are going to fit that and, and really fill it in like with those defensive minded players. I feel like we've really relied on and hope that they can produce offensively. This is a bit of a different approach and so far it, it looks great. And I, I agree with you. And I've really liked what I've seen these past couple of weeks. And uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's still relatively small sample size. I think when you make changes like that, a lot of the times you see that initial boost and then uh, things can plateau a little bit, but uh, I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. And um, I mean, this could be the new mold for this team over the next few seasons, a lot of moving parts. So if this starts to work, it'd be something they roll with. Goodbye, mm. big bad Bruins. Welcome in <laughs> medium great Bruins. Yeah. <laughs> I should add, I'm not completely sold on Carson Kuhlman either. I kind of earlier this season put out a tweet that like I couldn't remember anything really noteworthy that he had done, and then he scored like five minutes later. Yeah, but you, uh, you <laughs> jinxed him into success. I did, you yeah. fire off just tweet, those, tweet yeah. that every night. <laughs> yeah. just... but still, I, for me, he's he's kind of just a guy too, like he can he'll have a game where he'll get like a handful of shots maybe score once every you know seven eight games but uh i would expect when it comes to the playoffs if chris wagner is healthy that cassie would probably put him out there on the fourth line just for that more defensive responsibility but uh for right now regular season games um, against the devils and sabers like yeah it's been as fun to watch as as it could be i guess uh, yes. with with that fourth line going absolutely yeah, yeah. i've uh i've always really liked coolman uh, just being an ncaa kind of guy and especially when i was with the hockey writers covering covering ncaa quite a bit and seeing coolman win the national championship and everything i've always been very high on him uh i was really hoping he could lock down a role in the bottom six uh, at this point, I've sobered uh, sobered up. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, wow. I'm, 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 I'm getting drunker by the <laughs> second, but I've sobered up to my take. Um, uh, of he's just kind of this role player that yeah, you bring yeah. in once in a while if you feel your team needs that. He's a, and though that's a really nice guy as a depth forward to have. He mm-hmm. has speed. He has some offensive upside, but he's a very responsible two way player, and that's that's what he was known as. And and. The NCAA, he was one of the better two-way forwards in the NCAA at that point. Obviously, yeah. NHL is a whole different fucking ball game. Or it's not even a ball game. It's <laughs> no and, balls involved. But and, and guys, guys like that exist. The the like spark plug fourth line guys like the and the Bruins have had them for years. Like Seth Griffith was a guy who just never really caught on. Holy shit, I forgot about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Let's, let's bring him. Yeah. Uh, but like Frank Frank Vitrano is like the one. Yeah, the, yeah another the one. Big name like, Frankie you know, Vitrano. Guys who just kind of bounced around those third fourth lines because. You know, you Nola can see, even you, yeah. you can see this guy has scoring talent, and you want to give him an opportunity to do that. But like, there's just something that's not there. Um, but I, I think th- those guys can be valuable. Um, and and I think whenever Carson yeah. Kuhlman's on the ice, he provides some sort of positive value. Yeah. Where I don't know, you'll you'll see him basically any game he plays. He he has at least one play where he like blows by the defense or something or creates some sort of opportunity and maybe it's not always in that positive, but I don't know. To me, he's always noticeable. At least. It's good. It's good to have during the playoffs, but I don't know about game seven, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was talking about that the other day. I still, I still wonder what would have happened if, 
Not that Bacchus was better than Kuhlman at that time, but like to not play Bacchus in a game seven against his old team, I still wonder if that was uh, oh, yeah. that was the right call. But. I feel like you're forgetting how bad David Bacchus was. I know, but just the, <laughs> but the story alone is... I know, it's one of those, like, I hope we didn't like Babcock him or something, you know what I mean? That was the game he was destined to, like, break out again or something. But, <laughs> yeah, um, not that he, even just to be on the ice, I don't know, just to yeah. have, like, that emotional boost, whatever. Yeah. It's... I still think about that. I didn't even have it. Was it was a trip. It was a trip in games. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I, I will say, kind of, kind of that that role is is sort of the role that Jake DeBrusque has sort of taken on recently too. Kind of being somebody who, again, you know that offensive prowess is there. It's just not consistent enough. And I think when he's at his best, he's one of those players that is flying around the ice, and you really can notice his speed and and pretty much what Chris said about Carson Kuhlman that he's going to be busting around and. Once, twice a game, you'll see him just rip around the D. Which might be more damning than you think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But (laughs) let's um, compare Jake DeBrus to Carson Kuhlman. No, I mean, I'm not. not, (laughs) Jake DeBrus is listening to this and it's like, what the fuck? Jake (laughs) DeBrus is a player who I I fanboy over a little bit because he seems just like he's so, like, pure to watch in some circumstances. And, um, you, you but look, I mean, we'd streams. be lying if, if if we were acting like he's been consistent in his career. You know what I mean? He has a lot of potential. I think he still does. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a true first line or maybe even second line option at this point. But he obviously is a skilled player when he's playing well. It's just I don't know if it's a confidence mm-hmm. thing or if it's just a, an issue with being able to put it together at the highest level for you know a full season or something like that. But that's kind of the role that he's taken on recently, which isn't obviously ideal based on what the Bruins are hoping out of him, but reality check, that's what we're getting right now. And if we're fortunate that they're in a position that they can use him that way, instead of, you know, still relying on Mm -hmm. him to be the guy that's going to produce for David Krejci. The thing is like, if they're going to go on a long playoff run, you're going to need to use like 15 forwards and nine defensemen, 10 defensemen, like, there's going to be a chance for more probably see Jared Tenorti in there at some point and Stephen Camp. Like it always ends up that some guys get hurt or especially just in this condensed, especially just in the 2016 season. playoffs where uh, uh, like Sean Corrali was playing second line center in that game, game yeah. six or whatever. Like yeah, 2013, you got like Casper's Dogovins out there and uh, late Andre the Mazaros. Yeah, exactly. Wade Reddit even back then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're gonna need you're going to need like the full taxi squad up and ready to go at any given night. Cause there's going to be injuries and guys not feeling it and stuff like that. So yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of those guys get a chance to, to do something at some point. Yeah. Ian, on that note, I saw something you were tweeting about during the game. Um, maybe a potential concern was sort of on the defensive depth of, you know, I, I saw you tweeting about it as a six guy tonight, Lazan and Saboral. Um, hoping for maybe a little bit more there. Is that one of the concerns that you have going for the next few weeks as we turn to the playoffs? I mean, yeah, that's obviously been a huge concern all season long after Chara and Krug left the left side of the defense. It's obviously a lot better now with, with Mike Riley in there, but I think there's still some question about who is the, the bottom pair. Like, can you rely on Kevin Miller to play night in and night out in the playoffs? Probably not. Uh, is Jeremy Lozon, you go with him as the more experienced guy, or do you go to Jacobs Borrow, who maybe has a higher ceiling, but maybe a bit, you know, 
more raw and prone to making mistakes. Um, so the top four, I think, is pretty solid. But after that, I'm not sure if they, you know, turn to like a Connor Clifton or like rotate him and Kevin Miller out. Um, or if they bring in a Jared Tenorti to play on the left side. Um, but yeah, I think there's still some, some questions. If there's one, you know, big area of concern with this team in the playoffs, it would be kind of the bottom of the defense. But I mean, that's, if that's your biggest problem, most teams have that. So it's not, uh, I don't think it'll be make or break by any means. Cause you're going to be relying on McAvoy for, 25 plus a night at least. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Grizzlick, if he can stay healthy, will be out there a lot. Carlo will be eating a lot of minutes. So the bottom guys will probably only play like maybe 10, 11 minutes, but still it's when they're out there, you got to make sure that they're making, making good decisions. So still a bit of a question mark in my mind. Honestly, yeah. I think one, like one of the things you can do if it's not working out is I think Lausanne should be in the lineup. Um, but he, he worked pretty well with McAvoy at the beginning of the season. So you can shelter him up there on that top line where it sounds weird to like shelter a guy on the top line, but McAvoy is just so good mm-hmm. that it doesn't put Lausanne in, in a tough situation. And then you can put Mike Riley or even Matt Grizzly on that bottom line with either Miller or Clifton, whoever's playing that night. Mm-hmm. And I think that just makes for a solid left side. Um, obviously I think my ideal would be to have Grizzlick on that top pairing and then Mike Riley on the second pairing with Carlo. But, um, you know, if I, I think Lausanne and, and Miller would be a pretty solid, you know, heavy third pairing that mm-hmm. probably wouldn't be giving up too many bad opportunities. I just be really hesitant to have Zaboral in there. Um, yeah. it, it feels like he's, He's got good pieces to his game, and I, I've been a fan this season of at, at times, but he really feels like a game-changing mistake waiting to happen in <laughs> yeah. the playoffs, and that's not something I'm willing to bet my heart health over. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things that uh, I think like kind of was one of my concerns at the beginning of the season was you know a lot of a lot of these guys in Zaboro's perfect example where you know he has – that capability and uh, you know as a young player he's got a lot of potential and and has a spot on this team moving forward but the difference of hey having him as an option versus we need to rely on him to not make that mistake this is ultimately when it comes down to crunch time you know I, I, early in the season maybe they're not experienced you can see some mistakes but at this point they're in the swing of things and hopefully settle down a little bit but once you turn toward the playoffs and that home stretch, it's a different beast and everything starts to mean a little bit more and uh, you can be a little bit more prone to make that kind of mistake out there. So uh, even if things have been pretty smooth for the most part this season, one or two mistakes in the next few weeks can leave a big impact on this season and, and your development and things like that and your confidence. So having those options so that you don't necessarily have to rely on somebody like him to produce and and not make that kind of mistake i think is is really big going over the next few weeks here yeah in Mm. terms of zaboral i don't i i share the same sentiment i don't fully trust it as chris said it's a game making mistake waiting to happen (laughs) um i 
I mean, I think everyone in the Twitter Bruins Twitter world knows at this point my feelings on Connor Clifton as they're retiring <laughs> his number because he's the greatest. Okay, not the greatest, but um, <laughs> defenseman in Bruins history. No, uh, but I, I do trust him more than I do Zaboral. I would if the if it, the option is to play Zaboral, I would I would rather Clifton be there. Um, yeah, he has some playoff experience. He's not afraid to play him on his offside too. So. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's one of like. Cliffy's like greatest assets is the fact that he can uh, play both sides effectively. And I, I just, yeah, I definitely trust him more with the playoff experience he's had. And I just see, like, I do see it kind of like what we've said with like Coolman. you see a couple, maybe a player two per game where he actually kind of explodes and offensively too. Like he Clifton, Clifton has the ability to go like 200 feet to the net. Not that it happens successfully every time, but he has the speed, he has the explosiveness, and he has the ability to make a good pa- pass Cliff, in that transition. Clifton's expe- expected goals chart is hilarious because his uh, <laughs> his expected goals for is just like this giant negative red block, but his expected goals against is like the big purple block. Just like nothing happens while he's on the ice. All right, all right. All right, but he has the potential. No, but I, ju- I just do. I just do trust him more than I do Zaboral on on both ends of the ice, and I see his. I mean, I'd rather have somebody more. who's eating minutes and nothing happens while he's on the ice. Than yeah, exactly. Than Zaboral like, giving up the game, losing goal. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see Clifton get a shot in there. Uh, definitely, if Cassidy's like, do I go Zaboral or do I go Clifton? Cassidy, if you're li- uh, if you're listening, Clifton. Yeah, Cassidy, if you're listening, come on the pod, man. Yeah. yeah, bro. What are you waiting for? For yeah. us to contact your PR make, make, make the, and make the tour, go, to, go to Locked On Bruins first, and then come our yeah. way. Yeah, <laughs> circle around. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're like we're, we're minor leagues. <laughs> we're, we're like after you've tested the waters, generous. Yeah, then get into the beer. We, we like Ian to warm them up, and then we'll uh, we'll dive in, and bounce back around. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> um. One more hockey-related thing, a Bruins-related thing I wanted to get to was, you know, obviously this time of year, goaltending is so important. And uh, we've talked a lot about the, the Swayman-Rass situation over the last few weeks, or the, rather the Swayman-Halak situation over the last few weeks. Um, but kind of quietly and, and you know, with a little bit of a break in between, but Tuka Rask has been on his game lately. Uh, two goals against or fewer in nine of his last 11 games. We're getting down the stretch. I was looking at his monthly splits. Um April, 936 save percentage, 193 goals against, 5-0 and in six games. Uh, going back to March, uh, only played three, but 966 with a .84 goals against. Uh, no surprise to anyone here that Tugarask is stepping up when the team needs to here, uh, winning the big games despite the narratives <laughs> online. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, obviously this is really when it's going to start to matter over the next few weeks and, and seeing him trend in the right direction at the right time is, uh, is really big. And, you know, obviously you go back six, seven years, they were issues with overplaying him things like that. And I think obviously having a lock over the last few seasons has really helped that, uh, and, and really reliable backups the last couple of years, um, even before Halak, but, uh, like short Nicholas season Svedberg. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, shortened season here on top of having, uh, you know, one of the best goaltending tandems in the league. And Tuka is still looking fresh despite some, uh, I would say, I think minor injury concerns based on what 
has been coming out. You never really know at this point of year how how much is being hidden and that sort of thing. Um, but he's he's playing like somebody who's ready to go on a roll here. So um felt that was at least worth mentioning. I don't know if anybody has any spicy takes on that, but um, well, would be it, a shame to overlook him right now. And just in terms of like minor, like you say, minor injuries, uh, my dad's cousin, we all have this like group text. It's like seven of us that talk Boston sports. He's not like, he's just kind of hopped on. The, he He's a Boston sports fan, knows the Bruins and everything, but he's kind of gotten more intense into hockey recently because all of us, once we made the group text, we're all Bruins. And he's a big Pats fan. He was a season ticket holder. And he's like, so they only say upper or lower body injury. Like, do they ever specify? And I'm like, nah, not till the season's over. You'll you'll find out after at the end of the season what the injuries actually are. They're only going to tell you upper or lower body until they'll then. specify when they want you to know that Brandon Carlo doesn't have another concussion. Exactly below, below the neck, upper body. <laughs> exactly. I I mean I admire that from a perspective like you don't want to like inform anybody you want to kind of keep the players privacy too but it's, i feel like it's also a tactic to be like the the opposing team can't know they can't know our weaknesses <laughs> yeah. i think that's the, the primary motivator more than than privacy i think it's they don't want anybody like tom wilson targeting somebody's knee yeah. yeah you know not the shit negative uh what a what an asshole uh i just I do want to jump in on the Tuga talk before we. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say this is gonna about this is about a turn. So if anybody has any any pleasant things to say, I, I don't have any real in. real spicy takes other than I mean I don't think it really matters who the backup goalie is gonna be in the playoffs because uh, unless the schedule is condensed for some stupid reason, it's gonna be Tuka the whole way. Mm-hmm. Um, just give him give him the pipes. Um, yeah my my question is though uh like i think there's a difference between like who's gonna be the backup and who the number two starter is gonna be i think you might keep halak on the bench for him to come in a game if need be but i think if tuka were to go down the number two starter i'd i'd give that to swim and for sure uh so like let halak be on the bench as the veteran guy being there to be supportive if he has to come in in a pinch, but um, and just because Swayman has like, I wouldn't want to throw Swayman into a game kind of cold in the playoffs. I'd rather hasn't, him hasn't if he's gonna start for the like Bruins through his whole or in the last couple years or anything. <laughs> yeah, so that might be kind of my take on the the situation. Like Halak yeah. as the backup, but Swayman I think would be the number two starter at this point. Works yeah. for me, one hundred percent on board with that. that. Yeah. yeah, that's something we talked about in the past, but. That isn't a take I've ever like actually heard because we talked about like who do you put behind Tuka Swayman or Halak, but I really I like that take and I've adopted yeah. that. I think that yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Um I'm not as fired up now. We can move. I don't we don't have to make this a Tom Wilson <laughs> shitting on party, but if you guys want to shit on him, then I'm always down to shit on him. So yeah, fuck that guy. Cool. Yeah, fuck that guy. All right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I think we should think of our our best Tom Wilson burn while we listen to what the Hockey Podcast Network has to say. What's up, everybody? It's Jaron from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. 
My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on the show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For he's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show goaltender Scott Darling, the Eagle himself, Ed Belfort, Brian Bickle, David Boland, Letter Kenny. And the, the show started out with uh, basically. A beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcast. See, we need to get Letter Kenny uh yeah. ass members on our podcast. Game oh just game just dipped. <laughs> so I do Cam, do you have a Tom Wilson? Uh, shit post. Uh, he, uh, Tom Wilson is an L seven weenie. <laughs> That's all I got. I, he's a he's a piece of shit. He should. Tom stop Wilson, more hockey. like Tom kills somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You let him on the ice more. That's what yeah. Happens. It's gonna. It's a matter That's, of time. At this That's point. the title of the episode. It is. It is. <laughs> Tom kill somebody. I mean Wilson. <laughs> um, I don't know. anybody got anybody got thoughts or questions for you or anything or how we how we feeling? Ian, how are you doing, man? How how is shit up How's in life? Canada? I know, uh, it's, uh... You know it's not great up here. I'll be honest. Uh, we actually did got we got our first shots, but other than that, still pretty deep into lockdown up here in uh, in Ontario and uh, online learning. Basically, just grocery stores, and that's pretty much it. Walmart, everything is uh, taped off except for the food section. That's pretty much life right now. It's uh, it's not looking too good, but I don't know. Hopefully by uh, summer, maybe. I don't know. I would just when like to... when's summer in Canada? Oh, <laughs> you know, probably July, July-ish. Okay. I just like to. See see the Blue Jays back up here at some point in uh, in my lifetime. Oh yeah, uh, where, where are they now? They're in they're playing their home games in Florida right now. Yeah, okay. Triple A Park. They played in Buffalo Florida. last year. Uh, they're kind of all over the place. Yeah. So That's yeah, it's uh, it's not great, but there's not much we can do about it. No, that's... no no more boasting about Canada's healthcare being. On top of things, or <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we haven't put up put up a good showing here. Not really a, a thing where like the U.S. handled everything really well. Yeah, and things are going well here. It's just like yeah. oh, we're we're on the this part of the curve because yeah. we fucked up earlier. Yeah, we just America, did America won the vaccine game. That's for sure. Yeah, that too. Just yeah. shelling out. Yeah, many many monies, uh, yeah. and not for <laughs> we're shelling out many monies for half of our population. Yeah, we're we're, we're throwing we're like throwing out doses because people just like aren't getting vaccinated rather yeah. than send them to Canada and like India. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jesus Christ, I know India's yeah, it's it's terrible yeah. over there. I know yeah. it's awful. It's well, the the Bruins are actually one of the only things that uh you know bringing a lot of joy into my life these days. Yeah, and, uh, so at least they're coming through. Yeah, I gotta really ask you uh, about the about the hat. I've been looking at it. It looks like a, oh, yeah. I, I can't tell exactly. It looks like a minor league baseball hat almost, which has me very intrigued. It's but actually, I'm also uh, OHL hat. So I live in uh, 
I live in Guelph. It's like an hour west of oh, Toronto. Yeah. And we have an Guelph Ontario Storm, Hockey right? League team here uh, called the Storm. This is yeah. actually their hat from like the 90s. They've updated Okay, yeah, because they're, uh, they're like red and, and gray now, right? And white. That's right. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. kind of like maroon. And um, <laughs> so like, yeah, Drew was talking earlier about rooting for Bruins that are have it in the NCAA. And it's rooting for Bruins that have been in the OHL is like non-existent because they just don't draft. <laughs> they don't yeah, draft in the CHL not. really much. No, nah, so, the Bruins just want players who uh, have some sort of connection to Boston. Yeah, yeah exactly. Actually, the year, the year Pasternak was drafted, I was really hoping that they would draft Robbie Fabry. He played for the Storm that year. And they won like an OHL championship. And he actually went ahead of – of uh Pasternak in that draft still a good I was pick. like disappointed and then yeah they ended up picking Pasternak and like if you were to do that draft over now Pasternak would probably be second I would guess maybe behind dry sidle still but um yeah you can't miss I mean, yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> ended up all right so far at least yeah definitely yeah, <laughs> yeah. good stuff um all right. Well, I don't want to keep being too long. I don't know anybody. Any any parting thoughts here, you guys? Or no, just glad that I. Uh, so my my roommate's truck broke down, and she wanted me to like go pick her up from work, which is about forty five minutes away. Oof. And uh, she secured a ride home before we started recording, and I'm just glad that I don't nice. have to do that. That's a tough ask. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Ian, thank you uh, so much for coming on. I feel like this has been a long time coming. We, we did try to have you on before, and oh. there was a little bit of a mix. Oh, yeah. Like Chris wanted to talk about this. Yeah. this <laughs> I forgot is to mention this. Very funny. this is very funny. So, yeah. up front. Yeah. There, there, was no, uh, there was no ill will ever, but uh, we, <laughs> we wanted you on the podcast, and we had Drew reach out. Yeah. And Drew never communicated that the issue was just like a scheduling issue. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> For like four months, Cam and I thought that you just ghosted him. No, I, I was like, damn, like I like from I've never spoken about Twitter a couple times, but like from everything I've seen, like Ian seems like the nicest dude. I'm surprised he just completely ghosted us. Like, didn't even just say I'm not interested. Drew, like, Drew is just like, Oh yeah, he hasn't answered yet. And then I like never see what happened there. There's no way, yeah. Yeah. And well, then Drew was like, Oh no, he was just busy. We were like, dude, what the fuck? Like, okay, we thought he hated us or something. Like, fuck. It was legitimately That's like four months. <laughs> yeah, he's out. It, made it was because it was because the the day I asked, I didn't. I had gotten a response, and so I probably told you all that he like yeah, he yeah, didn't no, respond then. There's no way. Then. I yeah. there's, no the way I there's probably either it's uh past my bedtime or yeah just things are busy oh no we, we fully but... understand reasonings for yeah. not coming on yeah, our yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. you said you had to including your just own not podcast. wanting to be on yeah. our podcast it's fun to find like fun level-headed bruins fans they can be pretty rare so it's nice yeah yeah <laughs> I think there's a yeah, good, I mean, there's a pretty solid community of Bruins fans. Uh, I, I think Bruins yeah. fans get a bad rap, but uh, you gotta uh, find the right ones. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, and uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you were you were saying on Twitter the other day. There's a pretty good community of Bruins podcasts going on. And uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you guys yours are definitely is, yours one is of the obviously best, one of the best ones for sure. Um, yeah, and 
shouts to uh connor and evan doing bruins beat that's a that's a great one as well yeah yeah that's a good one can, I've had can you all hear mine me a couple or... of times he's 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 one of the smartest bruins bruins media guys and we, sure. we, we we've had him on a couple of times he's a it's always great to get like a real Boston accent on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah, yeah. It's hilarious listening to him ask questions on, uh, on like oh, Zoom yeah. calls and stuff. It's so I, I heard him ask one yesterday. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's good I, I just wanted to say that Ian's reason was because he was recording his own podcast. Yeah, he hadn't gone back oh, to me until the next day. Though I did message Ian like kind of late in the day, so that's understandable. <laughs> but that's why I said, "Oh, he didn't respond." But I did never follow up. He had his reason. I was like, "Oh, no worries." <laughs> well, well, sorry on behalf of Drew, and, and more importantly, thank you. It was definitely a lot yeah, no problem. Thanks and, for uh, having me on. We would love awesome. to have you back on again, real quick before you go. Anything you know, else you want to plug? Uh, obviously, checked out Locked On Bruins daily content, yeah, there, which it. is a hell of a grinding. and I respect the shit out of that. That's yeah. a lot to do. So, Give me a bit um, definitely check that out. Fun. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug? Or not really? No. Locked On Bruins. Subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter, Enc McLaren. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Great follow. Been at it for years, so definitely check them out. Cool. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Good stuff, yeah. All well, right, it's thanks, been a guys. pleasure, Ian. Yeah, we'll hope yeah, we uh, get well. you soon. Take care. You too. Later. Good shit. Uh.